Hey, strangers. Welcome to another episode of The Strange Sessions. As always, I am Kurt, and I am once again joined by my co-host, who is so lovely that she doesn't need to do podcast research. That is the lovely Krista. I'd like to remind our listeners that Kurt hasn't had an eye exam in 15 years. Yeah, we're going to get into that shortly. So, I may be a little blurry. Yeah, we're going to get into I appreciate the compliment, blurry. though. We're going to get into that a little mm. shortly about yes. my eye issues. Should we start out with the weird yeah. stuff that's happening? <laughs> yeah, bring that up. It's, oh my it's gosh. weird because for some reason, I even started today, I'm really on edge. Like, I feel really, like, even since waking up this morning, I feel yeah. really weirdly uneasy, and I don't know why. Okay. So I'm a little weirded out. And then we get here. And well, he get th- first of all, he gets he texts me and says, well, the parking lot is, like, closed off. For like asphalt work, yeah, which just, were... it's a bad way to start the bike. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad way. So we parked. Oh, it's we... also a bad way to start my day that I went to plug my phone into my cigarette lighter thing in my yeah. car. Ended up pulling it completely out of there, shot it onto the side <laughs> of the seat so I couldn't find it. I'm reaching down. Oh, no. So I'm at a stop sign in town and I get out of my car oh, no. to look for it. <laughs> And you did your a, own Chinese fire drill? Yeah, and there's a pothole there, so I step in the pothole, oh fall over, so I'm sitting Are on my ass serious? in the road at the stop sign. Oh, my God. So it's already been a bad morning. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we, we parked in the parking lot anyway, but Kurt and I have really heavy consciences. Yeah, so. my conscience. I think we're, we're worriers. <laughs> wow. So we were sitting here like, what if somebody comes and yells at us for parking we're not in the so, parking lot? We think that we're okay to park in there because the tape was down, like somebody, somebody else, else already came in. in, but it could have been the wind too because it's crazy it's windy. It's super out. windy. So we decided to go move our cars out to the street. Yeah. And I, on just a whim, hit record on Audacity. I didn't have our mixing board hooked up to the laptop, so it was just recording through the laptop um, speakers, and I just thought, well, why the heck not? Well, we're not in here. I'll just record, and when we came back, we found some weird noises. Yeah, we were only gone like three minutes. Yeah. And there's weird... It's like something was tapping on the table. The thing is, we have a space heater plugged in because it's really, really cold in here, and every now and then, the space heater clicks clinks like makes a clinking sound yeah it's like adjusting the heat so we recorded, we recorded some that. of that to, to compare it with the taps and it's similar but it's not but the they're same. different like they're the, different the tap is like something like i gave her my flash drive and it sounds like something picking up the flash drive and knocking it on the table like, it's like really a plastic loudly clink. yeah and there's another clink that sounds more muffled almost like something tapping on the laptop itself maybe the laptop the microphone I know it's weird. Yeah, so it's, it's really weird. Yeah. So Kurt's gonna take that audio home and listen to it through headphones. Yeah. Um, and compare it to the heater again because you know I, I we sort can't. of don't want to dismiss it because <laughs> it could be the heater, but I feel like I just the don't quality think, I of don't the think sound. The, the two sounds are completely yeah, different. they're different. The volume is sort of the same, yeah. but the the quality of the sound is different. Yeah. The, the heater makes more of a metallic sound. Yeah. Where the one on the table is like a clink, like a plastic thing clinking. It sounds kind of like this, guys. <laughs> like that like something hitting like the really table. loud it yeah. was really loud and the the heater's further away and you can tell that when you record the heater yeah. so anyway we, we came back in and Kristen's, Kristen's looking at the screen and she's like what is that what is <laughs> so weird so okay. we only have We're, one we started off with a bang yeah guys. we did <laughs> and it just feels weird in here today anyway it, is, it does yeah it was really dark kind of in the school when we when we got here and so and I so i'm know. waiting in the parking lot because like i don't want to come in here by myself <laughs> i love it <laughs> So we only have one real new stranger since our last episode, and that is Samantha Leroy Paul, 
who I really think was in the group at one time because her name sounds really familiar. Uh, maybe she accidentally left. Possibly. We know people have done that people before. People have done that. So <laughs> well, a shout out for back. Samantha. Yeah, welcome back, <laughs> yeah. Samantha, or welcome. Or welcome, we're depending. not sure. And since we don't have any other names, we got a couple of really nice emails since the last episode, oh, yeah. so I'm going to read those. Okay. Here's one that says, Hello, I'm a brand new listener and I'm greatly enjoying the podcast thus far. I finished up the alien abduction episode earlier, and one book stood out in my mind as something you may be interested in. The author is Mike Cleland, and the book is called The Messengers. It explores the idea of synchronicities, abductions, and other paranormal activity, and how owls are related and show up very frequently. Hmm. He gives interviews on other podcasts quite frequently. I remember that Kurt mentioned his memory of an owl from his childhood, so this may terrify him. Everything terrifies me. <laughs> There's a sequel that I've yet to read. Also, anything by Jacques Vallée. Vallée? who I hear about all the time. He posits that all paranormal activity is one and the same, some kind of extra-dimensional entity that shows up throughout history. I could totally buy that. Hmm. Just figured I'd toss these out there if you were interested. I would have tossed this in your Facebook group, but I try to stay away from Facebook as it makes me anxious. Good call. I hear you. Good job on your podcast and good luck moving forward. Thanks, Lawson Duvier. Well, thank you. Another one. Hey, guys, new listener here. I just wanted to say that I love your podcast. I've listened to a lot of paranormal slash spooky podcasts, and yours is my favorite. Someone recommended it to me because of your missing 411 episodes, but now I'm hooked. I have gotten my best friend into the show, too, and we love to talk about the stuff you discuss together. As native Wisconsinites, and then in parentheses, she has Wisconsiners. Doesn't know. It's Wisconsinites. <laughs> it's Wisconsinites. I'm sure you've heard of the story of the Beast of Bray Road. It's one of my favorite cryptid stories, and I wonder if you guys would ever consider doing an episode on it, or maybe if you do a Strange State episode on Wisconsin. Thanks for all the strangeness, Anne-Marie. I just watched on Amazon mm -hmm. that Beast of Bray Road documentary. Was it good? It was pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not like you get to see any actual We actually get another person who mentions that in an email coming up. Okay. Uh, this one is from listener Nick. He says, hello, Kristen, Kurt. I am the truck driver that writes you occasionally what's up nick just letting you to know that i threw kurt off by you saying you totally threw me off <laughs> he doesn't even know what to do now <laughs> I'm just i'm all a fluster <laughs> just letting you two know i listen to all new episodes thursday nights and this one was great again the reason i listen thursday nights is because i travel up and down the lake here on shore and the road is very desolate between 11 p.m and 4 a.m perfect setting one more thing i have seen some strange things over the lake at that time of night Anyway, keep up the great work. And to the people who say they do not like you, to each their own. You both are great. Best podcast I've listened to. And I drive 65 hours a week, so I listen to a lot of them. Thanks again, Nick. Aww. Thank you so much, Nick. Yeah, thank you, Nick. And the last one. Wow, a lot of emails. I know. Hello, I just stumbled upon your podcast yesterday and I loved it. I was looking for missing 411 podcasts and found yours. I could hear a Wisconsin accent right away. I don't know about that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I could hear a Wisconsin accent right away. I live in Wausau, but I'm originally from Connecticut. Isn't that where BDZ lives? Yeah. Okay. Brittany lives in Wausau. Yeah. Wausau is so nice. Yeah, I've only been there town. once and I only drove through it. It's pretty. It's nice to listen to some local people. I am also an empath, so you really spoke to me. Nice. Anyway, I can't wait to dive into more of your shows. Do you have any shows on the Beast of Bray Road, mm -hmm. Summerwind Mansion, or the Devil Dogs? Those are all super fascinating to me. Either way, I'm excited to listen to more. Thanks for doing these shows, Jennifer. Thank yeah, you so much, Jennifer. Thank you. We should definitely tackle some of our local, yeah, like we're, the Summerwind. It'll be early and... in next season. I plan on doing okay. Strange States, Wisconsin. Cool. Uh, and I think that's really it. Do you okay. have any housekeeping? I want to explain the situation with my glasses. Yeah. Because so, it does impact the podcast. It does impact the podcast. 
I've mentioned on the show before how bad my eyesight is getting and all that. And I have to take off my glasses now to read my phone close to my face. Mm -hmm. So I did the math and I have not been for an eye exam or new glasses in 15 plus years. Which is crazy. And here's the thing. I'm kind of dumb. I've had people tell (laughs) me. You're not dumb. You're just very stubborn. I'm very stubborn, but I always think I'm right. And it turns out I'm usually wrong. (laughs) But I've had people tell me, you need to go get new glasses. You need to go get new glasses. So just recently... I've been getting pounding headaches during the day where I literally want to die. And I couldn't figure out what it was from. And I realized the days that I get them are the days that I'm doing research for the podcast. I'm usually up at 4.30 in the morning. I start researching at 4.30 in the morning until about 8.30. So this episode is going to be a little research light, maybe. It's going to be more conversational. It's almost like I did the research. research. So this one might be a little more conversational. Uh, And I was dumb thinking, hey... I can get in and out in a couple days with new glasses. No, I have to wait till December 10th for an exam. So... You must um, have a really popular eye doctor. Well, it, our work insurance only covers... Oh. The lady that a place I went to said they're the only one in town, but somebody else thinks another place does it. But I already got my appointment yeah. set. I don't want to change it. Yeah. So this one is going to be a little more conversational than... I want to say researchical, but that's not a word, but I'm an English major. I knew what you meant. So thank you. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's why I apologize ahead of time, but we're planning on something kind of different for the next episode. Yeah. So I'm kind of excited about that. And my glasses will be here soon enough. Ooh, are you going to pick out like some sweet frames? I don't know. Like some hipster doofus frames? No. <laughs> like a frat boy? It's <laughs> something, yeah. yeah. So no, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. It'll change the whole look of Kurt. I was going to bring my friend Miranda with me to pick out frames because yeah. I suck at picking out frames, but we'll see. Okay. I just want to be able to see again. Yeah, and not have you know, pounding I'm, headaches. I'm wondering if that's going to help me drive better in the dark because driving here oh, in sure. the dark now sucks. I bet. I almost hit this big fat raccoon that was out <laughs> in the middle of the road. I killed a bird on the way here. Seriously? <laughs> well, it ran into my car, but still, I Aww. mean, I heard a distinct thunk and then I, I yelled out, oh my God, he killed a bird. <laughs> I felt really Aww. bad, but. Poor bird. I had two birds sw- like, just like totally swerve at me like that. No, it was I, dark, was this, so. I could see the eyes on the side of the road and it ran out in front of me. It was this huge glowy fat eyes. raccoon. Yeah. So then I swerved to miss it, but almost hit a car that was coming at me. So, but raccoon is good. The other car is good. I'm good. So okay, all good. is well. You didn't murder, <laughs> you didn't didn't murder, murder any wildlife didn't murder on the way here nope. like I did. Hmm. Do we have any other housekeeping? Um, I don't think so. I always say no. I don't think so. I can't think of anything. I can't really think of anything I don't think I any, had anything weird to tell you. Any no. synchronicities for you lately? I had a weird one driving here this morning where I t- turned off the highway on the exit to come here. And I wanted to send somebody a text. And I'm trying to get away from texting and driving. Mm-hmm. So there's a park and ride right off the, oh, yeah, the I know exit. Yeah. So I turned and the road's blocked off. Oh, it is? I yeah. didn't even notice that. And I'm sitting there like looking at this and I was listening to churches, which I'm insanely obsessed with churches. So I'm looking at this right the moment that I'm looking at the word barricade is in the lyrics. And I thought that was really weird. That That's weird. very specific. Mm-hmm. But I have so many friends right now. A lot of uh, my friends that listen to the podcast, like everybody is having synchronicities right now. Again, I'm still, even though I'm trying to work on being in the moment, I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I'm listening to podcasts on mindfulness. Uh, and like I'm trying to do meditation. I'm still totally in my head no, when I'm I am like. Too. <laughs> my friend Luke that listens to the podcast sent me a bunch of messages that he's been 
experiencing a ton of synchronicities. And I'm going to save his messages for when we do next season an episode on synchronicities. Okay, cool. But I've just been experiencing a ton of them. And I don't know if it's because it's this time of year. But I have a lot of friends that have had weird paranormal things happen lately. So is it because it's October? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know if there's something to that. Like, what is it about this time of year? I don't is know. it just because we feed into the whole Halloween idea? Possibly. Or it's getting darker, and I don't know. Possibly. I also think once you start noticing stuff like that, you just notice it more. That's what I told Luke. I said, the, once you start noticing It doesn't mean it's not meaningful. No, exactly. But, but they might have been things you missed before. Right. Right. I'm telling you, Sasquatch could run out in the road in front of me and I'd be like, oh, look at the deer. Can't keep going. Because <laughs> I'm in my head. Yep. Uh, I know the feeling. Goodness. Okay. Yeah, that's it. I don't have, I didn't have any. So yeah, just wanted to say once again that we are nearing the end of our season. I think after this, there's two more episodes. Okay. So yeah, two more episodes and we're going to try to get together to record some backup episodes for our horrible winters up here. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm hoping I will be able to, are you potentially going to put out the extra suspects yes, from D.B. Cooper? Yes, yes. And I got to get on Joe to get yeah, me the to audio. Get that audio. So that'll be a special surprise episode coming up. Yeah. Probably during. Not we'll, much of a surprise. No, but it'll, <laughs> we just be told probably, you. it'll be something that we'll put together and put up during <laughs> the, break, the break. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> so I think we'll move on to our taste test. Okay. I panicked because I forgot all about the taste test until yesterday morning. Are we out of like... Yes, like all the Japanese stuff there's is gone. Okay. No, and if you want to send us stuff now, maybe wait until after the holidays because we're going to be wrapping it up yeah. for the season. But I was talking to Corey on the phone last night, and I was like, oh, or yesterday morning, and I was like, crap, I got to go out and look for. So I went to festival and was like, please let me find something weird, and I did. <laughs> I don't think it's bad weird. Yeah, I've but heard that before. <laughs> it's, it's not the gross skittles. Okay, good. It is. You can always find some weird health. That's what this is. This is, okay. this is from the, the healthy slash organic section. Okay. This was $7. Oh, of course it was. So here we go. I see a bag of some kind of portobello jerky. Yeah, Ooh, I bet jerky. I'm going to like this because I love mushrooms. Uh, mushrooms are hit or miss with me. They're either really oh, good or I really bad. Them. I've never met a mushroom I didn't like. I feel yeah. like we're going to be doing shrooms in here. Those days have passed. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> not me hmm. portobello jerky roasted garlic and black pepper yeah it looks good i mean it looks like jerky it looks like of. jerky but it looks like pieces of mushrooms naturally gluten-free non-gmo read the back it says in s- okay a story you want me to read this read whole- the story okay at Giorgio, we believe that mushrooms are nature's little powerhouses. That's why we created Savory Wild to combine one of the planet's most sustainable foods with authentic flavor combinations from around the world. Hey, listeners, if we ever have ads, you'll know what they're going to sound like. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what they're going to sound like. The result is a delicious snack packed with nutrients and bursting with umami that even Mother Nature would approve. To make our 100% plant-based jerky, we keep it simple, starting with hand-picked portobello mushrooms that we've been growing at our family farms for over 90 years. Dang. After slicing and marinating them in our chef-created recipes, they're they're gently dried in small batches over several hours. That's it. Our simple and savory jerky is a naturally satisfying way to snack wherever life takes you. You'd be a good DJ. DJ? DJ. Like VJ? Shoot. Like radio, not like spinning a turntable. Like, <laughs> like not that kind of DJ. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> like scratching. Yeah. Oh, come on. There we go. 
Gotta do the whiff test. Oh, it smells like beef jerky. Seriously? It smells very umami. Whoa. Oh, see, that just doesn't oh look good. Oh, my. Oh, I dropped some. That looks gross. It's a little crazy looking. Hmm. I dropped some I'm in my I'm actually lap. very hesitant about this, and I don't know why. See, this is one of those oh, things I'm super excited about. It I'm smells not. very soy sauce. I smell soy sauce like hardcore. I am not taking a chunk like you did. I'm taking yeah, a... Yeah, I took a big one. I'm taking a baby-sized chunk. It looks like something that you ran over in the road. <laughs> it kind of does look like roadkill, if I'm being honest. I'm going to try this little... I'm scared. I'm more scared of this than I was of the Skittles. It just smells like soy sauce to me. No, there's like an earthy... That's umami. Well, I don't know. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Mm. Flavor is not nearly as strong as the smell. No. It's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It tastes like... A portobello mushroom. It does. At a marinated it, portobello mushroom. At first, it tastes like beef jerky. Mm-hmm. And then mm. it kind of changes. Okay, that's really good. This is and then yummy. it changes into like a mushroom flavor. I didn't know this was a thing. I didn't either. I would totally snack on this at work. I would too. This is actually really good. Mm. It's very sweet. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Mm. Mm. That's yummy. Take the rest. Bring them to work. Mm. I really like that. 90 calories per third cup. And there's only two servings in here, so that's actually a big serving. I have a hu- I still have a huge chunk over here. How yeah, you do? Mm. It's different. I think it's yummy. A scale of 1 to 10? Mm. There's 5 grams of protein. Considering the fact that you're eating a vegetable, that's pretty good. Um, I give it an eight. I'm gonna give it an eight too. Mm. There's no mistaking it for beef jerky. I mean, it is not beef jerky, but, no, but it's, it's not it's bad. Chew factor yeah. that you like with beef yeah. jerky. Like I could see this being a good substitute for beef jerky for a vegetarian. And a lot of times when I, because I eat, I'm not a vegetarian per se, but I eat, I make a lot of vegetarian food, and mushrooms are one thing I always substitute for meat when I'm doing that. I get it. I like it. I'm going to annoyingly gnaw on this last piece. No. <laughs> oh, that's a big one. Uh-oh. Don't die on me, Kurt. You know the Heimlich? <laughs> I feel like I could wing it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> no, that wasn't bad. Do you want more? No. Take them. I mean, they're not horrible, but you can bring them to work. That's a great review. They're not horrible. They're not. It's not it's not mm. as good as actual beef jerky, but they're a good substitute I'm a for big beef fan. jerky. I actually really like that. If I had, like could I said, choose... they're like weirdly super expensive. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that health food stuff is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think beef jerky is expensive too. Yeah, it is. If I had to choose, if I had a choice between that and beef jerky, I'd choose that. Seriously. Mm-hmm. But I lean more plant based anyway. Yeah, I feel Most better my... eating this. Mm-hmm. You don't like the. I feel like I can have chocolate now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's all about. <laughs> That's what it is. What Justifying it's all about. chocolate. <laughs> okay. So on to tonight's main topic, which is horror movies. Ooh. Krista and I are both horror movie buffs. Yep. So we are going to talk a little bit about... I don't know if I call myself a buff. I feel like that implies that I know a lot about horror movies. I don't. I just really like them. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> like, I can't tell you directors of yeah. certain... You know how certain people are, like, really into Fair that enough. sort of thing? Fair enough. I've always liked horror movies. Me uh, too. We're going to touch on two horror movies that supposedly have curses attached to them, and then we're going to discuss our favorite mm-hmm. horror movies. One of my favorites is one of the movies that has curses attached to it. Really? Mm-hmm. The one you've never seen, Kurt. I haven't seen either I of the two. The two that I'm going to bring up, I've never seen either of them. I know both of them. 
already, yeah. and yeah. I've seen them both. <laughs> okay. I have I, one on DVD that I'm going to bring for you to watch. Uh, we'll get into that when we get to the movies. No, you're going to watch it. I just don't want to watch it. You're going to. Okay. We'll, we have a TV here. Maybe we <laughs> will come gonna, here no, and watch place, it here. This place is haunted as hell. I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and watch that movie. <laughs> Getting taps on the table and whatnot. No. Good stuff. Uh, got a couple horror movie facts. Oh, okay. Fact number one. One of Wisconsin's most infamous killers, Ed Gein, inspired three different movies. Do you mm-hmm. know what those three different movies are? It wasn't Silence of the Lambs, was it? One of them is Silence okay. of the Lambs, which I don't ever consider the a Buffalo horror Bill. movie. The Buffalo Bill. I never consider Silence of the Lambs a, a horror movie. it's a suspense movie. It's a suspense movie. I think there it's is a It's a very difference. good movie. Oh, yes. I love I love the whole franchise, actually. Yeah. I've only seen that. I haven't seen any of the Oh, ones. the other ones are good. Nope. I haven't seen Red that. Red Dragon and... Um, Hannibal. Haven't seen those. No. Nope. If you're a cooking fan <laughs> and you know who Jada De Laurentiis is, I believe her grandfather, Dino De Laurentiis, oh, directed a couple of those movies. I never put yeah. that together. I know he did Hannibal, possibly Red Dragon too. But yes, one of the three movies that were inspired by Ed Gein was Silence of the Lambs. What were the other two? Huh. I actually knew this. I knew these other two. When you tell me, I'm going to be like, oh, duh. Yeah. One of them... But I don't know. The other two are Psycho. Really? Yeah, because of the mom oh, thing. Oh, yeah, you did have a mom the other one is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, I guess I should have put that together. At the beginning of the Texas Chainsaw together. Massacre, when they say it's based on a true story. That's the true it's story. It's not really based on I mean, a the lot house... of the true story, but it is based on Ed Gein. And Ed Gein, if you're into serial killers, Ed Gein He's was a one. fascinating dude. He's got all all the good hallmarks of a yes, really bad serial yes, killer. Yes, he does. Well, and there's there are a ton of Texas Chainsaw movies on right now. There are so many of those movies, it's ridiculous, but... The one I just caught, I've never actually seen before. Um, I think it's like 3D or something weird like that. Uh, and you can see there's furniture in the house made out of like human parts, yeah. which was yep. what Ed Gein No, did, that's what so. he did. He had a belt made out of nipples. Mm-hmm. And did you, did you see the picture? Wasn't there of a chair covered in like flesh. skin or something? Yeah. Did yeah. you see the picture of the, bo- the body hanging that he had gutted like a deer? Oh, that? No, I've seen the nipple belt though. Yeah. Gross. Yep. He had issues. We'll just go with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fact number two, one of the most profitable films ever was a horror movie. Do you know what film? Mm. Most profitable films yep. ever was a horror movie. Again, I should know this. You should. I'm going to kick myself. You should. Can you give me a hint? Found footage. It's not Blair Witch. No. Oh, okay. Hmm. Found footage. That narrows it down. <laughs> I get. I don't know. Paranormal Activity. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good though. Yeah. I love those movies. According to the Mental Floss website, Paranormal Activity's initial budget was just fifteen thousand dollars. Its mm-hmm. final worldwide gross was one hundred and ninety-three million dollars, which works out to a one million two hundred eighty-six thousand five hundred sixty-six percent return on investment. Mm. And I that's love that crazy. movie. The first one is the best. The first one is the only one that I've really seen. Mm, I've seen not... the other ones, and I actually, they all have enough creep factor where I'm like freaking out. So yeah, I just. To me, that's a good, a good movie. If I'm legitimately freaked out, it's a good movie. Okay, good point. I'll take that. Fact number three The Silence of the Lambs is the only horror movie to win a Best Picture Oscar. Mm. The only other two that have been nominated are Jaws and The Exorcist. Oh, Jaws. I love Jaws. Fact number four. 
Psycho was the first time a flushing toilet was shown on the screen. What? Yeah, that I knew. That I knew going into this. That was the first time that a flushing toilet Did because not know she that. she puts something, she flushes something down the toilet and it shows it. And that was like a big thing because I can't remember what it was. I know she stole the money. Yeah. So there must be some piece of evidence. Yeah. I can't remember. Right I don't now. remember either, but I remember she does flush something down yeah. the toilet. First time a flushing toilet was ever shown on screen. Oh, so controversial. <laughs> <laughs> and fact number five, according to Dr. Richard McKenzie, who specializes in cell metabolism and physiology at the University of Westminster, watching horror films burns calories. The study was conducted on 10 people who watched several horror movies, including Paranormal Activity and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, while hooked up to equipment that monitored their vital signs. According to McKenzie, quote, each of the 10 films tested set pulses racing, sparking an increase in the heart rate of the case studies. As the pulse quickens and blood pumps around the body faster, the body experiences a surge in adrenaline. It is this release of fast-acting adrenaline produced during short bursts of intense stress, or in this case, fear, which is known to lower the appetite, increase the basal metabolic rate, and ultimately burn a higher level of calories. The film which burned the most calories, an average of 184 calories per hour, was The Shining. Mm. So I thought that's interesting. I mean, 184 calories per hour isn't a lot. No. So don't skip running to watch a horror movie, but it is interesting that it does burn. But it can be a, a good addition to your it healthy routine. It can be a good routine. addition to your reg- regimen. <laughs> yes. It's interesting because I would call The Shining a slow burn. Shining you know, is a very a much slow, a slow burn, but The Shining is the tense. The tension builds and yeah. builds and builds. Yeah, The Shining is a good. It's like a long walk. <laughs> it's a very good example of a slow burn mm-hmm. horror movie that is genuinely frightening. Yes, it really is. It's so good. So those are a couple facts about horror movies. And now a brief history of the horror movie. Okay. Widely considered the first ever horror film was... Nosferatu? No. Oh, come on. But it's, this is in French, so I'm going to massacre this. Oh, okay. Le Manoir du Diable, also oh. known as The Haunted Castle, was a three-minute French film directed by the legendary Georges Malise. Malise? So it was like the first short film. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I know for with the Georges... Georges Melias, Melias, whatever, whatever you pronounce that. That guy. The, I always think of the animated thing with the moon. Like you would know it if you saw yeah, it. It's probably. like the old, old, one of the first motion picture things. Okay. The moon, like I think looking through a, a lens or something like that. Okay. And The Haunted Castle came out in 1896. Wow. So that is old. Yeah, that is old. The short film features skeletons, witches, and bats changing into devils. While crude by today's standards, it's pretty much considered the first film to use special effects to frighten or surprise the viewer. Did you say special effects? Did I? Yes. <laughs> oh, cute. Leave it in there. I'm going to leave it in there. Special <laughs> effects to frighten or surprise the viewer. According to earlycinema.com, quote, In the autumn of 1896, an event occurred which has since passed into film folklore and changed the way that Malayas looked at filmmaking. While filming a simple street scene, his camera jammed, and it took him a few seconds to rectify the problem. Thinking no more about the incident, he processed the film and was struck by the effect such an incident had on the scene. Objects suddenly appeared, disappeared, or were transformed into other objects. Hmm. So that was like the first stop-motion oh, yeah. special effects. According to a really great article on the New York Film Academy site called How Horror Movies Had Changed Since Their Beginning, quote, Over the next few decades, from 1900 to 1920, filmmakers were still experimenting with the horror genre and turned to horror literature to find their source material. 
Early versions of Frankenstein, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, The Werewolf, etc. were some of the films produced during this era as filmmakers were constantly refining their craft. And those are the old school mm-hmm. Frankenstein's. Those are ones that not you the watch ones that, now and you're like, eh. not, I know, but they're not, they're not the ones that you picture when you think of the old movie monsters. That's coming up. That's okay. those are the old, old ones. The period of 1920 to 1940 has been called, quote, the golden age of horror. Really? Yep. Encompassing the time when films switched from silent movies to talkies, some of the finest films of the horror genre were filmed during this era. 1922 silent vampire film Nosferatu is considered a masterpiece, and it is still more unsettling than most of today's horror films, mm-hmm. which it is. It's, it's creepy. Really, it's legit creepy. Mm-hmm. As talkies emerged, classic films such as Frankenstein, The Mummy, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and Dracula were released during this time. The period of the 40s to the 60s further widened the horror movie field. More movies were made featuring classic monsters like vampires, werewolves, etc., but with the rise of the atomic age, science fiction and horror merged, creating movies like Godzilla and The Incredible Shrinking Man, where the horrors came from man-made causes rather than supernatural beings. And bridging the gap from this era to the next, one of the most well-known horror and suspense directors emerged, and that is, of course, Alfred Hitchcock. The early 60s were like kind of dominated by Alfred Hitchcock mm-hmm. as far as horror goes. But as the decade went on, gore became a little more prevalent, culminating with the original Night of the Living Dead in 1968. My dad was a huge fan of that movie. He had nightmares after it, watching it. I remember the first time I saw that and it blew my mind how creepy and gr- scary graphic, it is. how yeah, gory. Yeah, very graphic. Where they're tearing the guts out of people. A like black how, and white movie. Yeah, like how, that gory. how gory that was. That's that actually was where I get. That's where I get my love of horror films is from my dad. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I knew that. Then in the 1970s, the movies became very much about the occult and the demonic, with blockbusters like The Exorcist in 1973 and The Omen in 1976. While the increase in gore continued with films like The Last House on the Left in 1972, and of course the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 1974. But looking back, Texas Chainsaw Massacre does not have a ton of gore in it, surprisingly. It's more suggested. Yeah, it's very suggested, Mm -hmm. which I thought was kind of interesting. It's more the imagery around what's happening that's kind of gory and disturbing. Last House on the Left, I've seen, and it's... I've seen the remake. There's one scene that's very graphic, the pulling out the guts, etc. But Mm -hmm. there's, there's... It's gory, but I just never a fan of that movie. I've seen the remake, too, and I wasn't a fan of that either. John Carpenter's Halloween in 1978 set the stage for the 1980s, and the 1980s were all about what? Teenagers? Slashers. Slasher oh, slashers, movies. yeah. Films like Friday the 13th from 1980 and Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984 churned out tons and tons of sequels. Right. By the 1990s, people were kind of burned out by the glut of slasher movies from the 80s, so the horror genre needed a break and a reinvention, which happened in 1996 with Wes Craven's Scream. Mm. And that's kind of regarded... I just watched it. It was just on this weekend. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good movie. It's sort of like a spoof on horror movies. It's it's regarded as like meta. But it's 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 still scary. It's like a comment on horror movies. Yeah. You know, that that was... We'll get get into this with my guilty pleasure movie, but... It's it's called one of the first meta movies that knows it's a horror movie. Sure. You know, yeah. where like Cabin in the Woods was totally a meta mm-hmm. movie because that was all about the horror, specifically about the horror genre. Mm-hmm. 
I don't want to say more without spoiling the movie, but oh, the cabin in the woods. It's an old movie, though. Cabin, it's not that old, really. I think so. If Is you it? haven't seen it, though. Yeah, if you haven't seen it. In 1999, the movie The Blair Witch Project set off the found footage genre that continued well into the next decade and later. The it's two- still happening. It's still happening. The 2000s saw a resurgence of zombie movies like 28 Days Later, the Resident Evil movies, Dawn of the Dead, etc. And of course, The Walking Dead would be mm-hmm. in there. And the torture porn genre kind of blew up with the Saw movies and the Hostel movies. Within recent years, there's been a resurgence in ghost-slash-possession movies like Paranormal Activity or The Conjuring or even It Follows, which I love the movie oh, It Follows. that's a great movie. It's a very good movie. It's a subtle movie. It's a, yeah. Uh, the filmmaker threw stuff in there that's almost kind of subliminal to keep you on edge, on edge because mm-hmm. there's like a scene where the people are in winter jackets and in the next scene, which supposedly is the same day, They're in a pool, the girl's right? out in a swimming pool. Yeah. And one of the girls has this device that doesn't even exist, and it seems like something futuristic. So there's but it always also things seems that, like it was in the 70s. Yeah, it's like this yeah. Weird, so there's always things that make you feel you can't disjointed. Anything, yeah. yeah. But it's a very good movie. It I really love that is. Movie if you too. don't know anything about it, it's basically uh, this girl meets this guy, and they have sex, and then the guy has her like tied up in a chair after, and he's explaining to her that because he had sex with her now. There's going to be this person or figure that constantly is coming to kill her, but it's walking. It's always walking. And the only way she can get rid of it is to have sex with somebody to pass it to that person. And then if it kills that person, it comes back for her. It's like the ring. It's like the ring, but it's basically like a, it's almost like a STD. <laughs> True. It is. It's yeah, almost yeah, yeah. like an STD. Yeah. It's like a, uh, what word am I looking for? Uh... PTD, <laughs> paranormally transmitted <laughs> no, I'm disease. Looking, I'm thinking it's like a, it's like symbolic of an STD. Oh sure. So <laughs> PTD. We were not on the same page. Yeah, we were so not on the same page on that one. That's but okay. it's a very good movie. It's really good. So I definitely recommend yeah, it's it. Follows. Excellent. Right now, a lot of people feel that the horror genre is in kind of a rut, with a lot of movies being remakes or reimaginings or whatever. But films like Get Out are definitely furthering the legacy of horror films. Oh yeah. So yeah. That's, in a nutshell, that's the history of horror movies. Okay. Like, I'm fascinated. I've always been fascinated with horror movies, with the psychology of them, like, why people like them so much. Mm-hmm. You know, some people just it's despise the adrenaline them. Some people, rush. some people refuse to watch horror yeah, movies, which I totally get. Yeah. I know people who say, I cannot watch that. I'll be too scared the whole time. Yeah. I'm like, yes, yep. that's why yep. I watch it. Yep. I really like this quote. This came from the October 27th, 2016 article on FlavorWire titled The Psychology of Scary Movies. Quote, different people watch horror films differently and don't even watch the same films the same way as they get older. Film critic Scott Weinberg says, a great horror film is like a diamond. You turn it to another angle, you see something different. A 1995 report by Dr. Deidre Johnson pinpointed four different viewing motivations for horror movies with varying degrees of identification and empathy for either the victims or the killer. That makes sense to Weinberg, who says, You will see something different in Halloween if you watch it at age 15 and then again at age 30. As a kid, you watch Halloween and you're one of those babysitters or you're one of those kids and you just want to stay away from the killer. Now, when you watch it as a grown-up, you might look at it as one of the kid's parents and have a completely different perspective Mm -hmm. on the horror. That's so true. And it is true. Like, I know, I mean, I've seen comedians talk about how 
when they watched Friday the 13th back in the day, they were like, you know, get away, get away from them. And they watch it now older. It's like they want him to kill those kids because they're so annoying and obnoxious. <laughs> I know? find that as I've gotten older, I'm constantly like, well, this is what I would do. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. I think when I was younger watching, I was just experiencing as the movie happened. And now I'm like, no, no, no. She should have done this. <laughs> yeah. If that were me, if you, yeah. why aren't you outside by now? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I always say I would have been outside like 10 minutes ago. The older I get, the more I'm creeped out by not not so much by like the killer guy like Jason or Freddy or no. those guys, but you know, maybe it's like a mortality thing, but like the real life possibilities. Somebody going nuts, like that kind of stuff. Like the movie The Strangers. Yes. That yeah. is terrifying. Yeah, because to me. that could happen. Yes. I mean, it's a very exaggerated version of what could happen, but But it's so creepy. Yeah. Yeah, that was one movie that I saw once that Ooh. I don't really want to see again because the it really... The sequel was actually really, really good. Really? I, yep. I highly recommend watching the, the sequel. Yeah. I'm getting weird with horror movies. I used to love them and now I'm... One I thing know. I can't handle now is gore. I can't even handle it. Like blood and guts, I, I just don't even want to watch it. To me, that's just... It's so unnecessary. Yeah. When you take a movie like The Blair Witch Project, yeah. they don't show you anything. No. And no. it is such a terror, in my opinion, it's a terrifying, a lot of people hate that movie. But when they show you everything, it's like, well, then there's nothing left to my imagination. Yeah. And the things you conjure up in your head are so much scarier than anything they can show you on the screen. Yeah. And so I just feel like blood and guts is gratuitous. One, one thing just, that amazes me is watching The Walking Dead. Like ugh, they, they show so stuff gory. on there that would have gotten, yeah. it wouldn't have gotten an R rating in yeah. the 80s. It would have been too graphic for an R rated movie in the 80s. Ugh. And they're showing this stuff on. It's, it's very graphic. It's very graphic. Like it takes a lot to really gross me out guts wise but the walking dead does it sometimes mm. oh yeah and sometimes they overdo it like this isn't really a spoiler because it's happened a long glenn, ago but glenn i've never watched another baseball bat. yeah i've that never watched another a episode. lot of people that is when they lost a lot of people they said that was too too gratuitous didn't it to didn't that. have to do it no. like that and that's when a lot of people stopped watching the show i was angry because my, my was, husband and i were like disturbing and people are like kids watch this yeah. and that was too that, that went, was so I even, disturbing i even think that went too far and i understand why people stopped watching it after mm -hmm. that because that was a beloved character oh yeah and he's sitting there with one of his eyes popped out yeah. and it's trying to talk to maggie yeah. who's like dying watching with this happen yeah my husband and i were like oh my god we just kept looking at each other like come on this is like yeah. we we were both so sickened yeah. and disturbed by it yeah. and i literally have never watched another no episode. and they shot themselves in the foot they by totally doing that did. because that's when a lot of did that happen in the comic book? Yes. Oh, really? It, and the gra it, it was as graphic in a comic book, but of really? course, comic book graphics different. are different than than It's different a than movie. seeing it happen in front yeah. of you. I mean, I've Ugh. I still watch the show, but I only watch it because I love the character Negan. If they kill Negan off, I'm not going to watch it. He's anymore. the one who killed Glenn, though. Yeah, but he's going through like a redemption thing where <laughs> oh, well, good for he him. actually <laughs> just saved Rick's daughter from dying in a blizzard. The last kicker. So, yeah. So he's he's I'm a sucker for redemption mm. stories. Spike on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I love oh, redemption stories. So yeah. I love that Negan has a redemption story kind of going on, but he's okay. still Negan, you know? Yeah. So once once that... they once they get rid of him, I'm not gonna watch anymore because I just kinda don't care. It's the same thing. They find a group They end up being either good or bad. Yeah, they can't trust them. Yeah, then all hell breaks loose, they move on. It's just kind of the same. Yeah, no. I'm over it. I am too. <laughs> so <laughs> now we'll get into two movies that supposedly have curses. Okay. Movie number one, The Exorcist. 
You knew I was going there, yep. didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yep. Was that the movie that you're going to bring in for me to watch? No. Okay. There's something the about other The Exorcist. One. I don't want to watch The Exorcist. I just don't like it. There's a lot of... There's just... I don't know. I always hated... I mean, I watched it when I was much younger, and I haven't seen it since then, so I don't know if it would be as scary now I just don't... I, there's something about it that I can't put my finger on. One of the things that I... That there's bothers a lot me, of disturbing stuff in uh, there. One of the things that bothers me, and we're going to get into this in a backup episode that we haven't recorded yet oh. but there are subliminal <laughs> flashes in the movie yes with the demon which is really face. freaky and yeah. that bothers me i don't mm-hmm. know why that bothers me so much but ever since i found about that i'm like you feel nope. like someone's messing with you yeah yeah so i just i don't want to watch it and i've read mm-hmm. a lot of things about the movie you know it's just like if you read if you read something on the background of the movie it's just nuts it actually has a killer in it the the guy in the scene i didn't even i didn't put this in my notes because i just put it just popped in my head but the guy when she's in the hospital having the procedure done, which people say is one of the most disturbing scenes in the movie, and it's not even the paranormal, paranormal, right? But she's in the hospital getting checked out, and I think they put her in an MRI machine or something like that. The technician that's in that scene is actually a killer. He killed somebody. Yeah, and I think he I gets did called know that. a serial killer a lot, and he took credit for other deaths. But a lot of people don't think that he actually killed those other people, oh. but he killed one person for sure. Okay, so I mean, yeah, I think that. I did know that, but. This comes from the AmericanHauntings.com website, an article called, quote, Was the Exorcist Cursed? The filming of The Exorcist was started in 1972, and it was filmed over a nine-month period. The main set, a reproduction of the Georgetown home, was built in a warehouse in New York. Almost from the start, the filming was plagued with problems. Around 2.30 a.m. one morning, a fire broke out on the warehouse set. It's believed that it was caused by an electrical problem. The set was pretty much destroyed, so filming was shut down for six weeks while a new set was built. As soon as the new set was built, the sprinkler system in the warehouse broke down, causing filming to be delayed another two weeks. The cast and crew also seemed to have a crazy run of bad luck. As soon as Max von Sydow, who played Father Marin in the movie, arrived on set, he got word that his brother in Sweden had died, and he later became very ill during the filming. Irish actor Jack McGrowan, who played Burke Dennings in the movie, died only one week after his character was killed off by the demon in the movie. Jason Miller, who played Father Karras in the film, nearly lost his young son when he was run down by a motorcyclist on an empty beach. A lot of people associated with the cast and crew died, which is just really weird. I mean, there's a lot of people that died. Ellen Burstyn, who played... The mom. The mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chris McNeil, wrenched her back badly during one scene when she was slapped by the possessed girl. The stunt went badly awry and she was laid up in bed for several weeks afterward, causing more delays in the filming, and it basically caused her problems throughout her life. Yeah, so when she screams out in pain in the movie, that's because she basically... Did something pull her back or there was something... There's like a rig, yeah. Yeah, the rig like Some rig that jacked up her back really bad. She may have like fractured something. I mean, it was a big deal. One of the carpenters actually cut off his thumb on the set, and one of the lighting technicians severed his toe. Jesus. I know. (laughs) Part of the filming was done on location in Iraq, and because of the constant delays, instead of going there at the beginning of spring, they ended up going there in the middle of summer when the temperatures would get hotter than 130 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, man. Out of the 18-man crew that was sent there, nine of them ended up leaving due to sunstroke and dysentery. Also, the bronze statue of the demon Pazuzu, which was locked in a 10-foot crate, got lost in air shipment from Los Angeles and ended up in Hong Kong, which caused another two-week delay. William Friedkin, who directed the film, had a Jesuit priest, Father Thomas Birmingham, bless the set because of all the issues. It did seem to help. 
Actress Ellen Burstyn later said, quote, I don't know if it was a jinx, really, but there were some really strange goings on during the making of the film. We were dealing with some really heavy material, and you don't fool around with that kind of material without it manifesting in some way. There were many deaths on the film. Linda's grandfather died. The assistant cameraman's wife had a baby that died. The man who refrigerated the set died. The janitor who took care of the building was shot and killed. I think overall there were nine deaths during the course of the film, which is an incredible amount. It was scary. I mean, that is a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Yes, it is. I feel like I'm having a Mandela effect moment. Why? Because I think it's Ellen Bernstein. And you keep saying Bernstein. No, it's Ellen Burstyn. It's um, it's Ellen Burstyn. B-U-R-S-T-Y-N. Oh, that's weird. I see two spellings for her. Okay, now I got to look too. Now I've got a Mandela effect thing. <laughs> I think it's... I think it's still pronounced Bernstein, though. No, I think it's Burstyn. I've always heard Bernstein. Or, I'm sorry, Bernstein. I've never heard anyone pronounce it the way you're pronouncing Ellen it. Ellen Burstyn. It's always been Ellen Burstyn. Like the way it's spelled? Yes. Ellen I've never Burstyn. heard it pronounced that Seriously? way. Seriously? Yeah. No, it's always been Ellen Burstyn. Huh. Now you got me wondering if yeah, I'm saying it Mandela right. Mandela effect. Because I, I mean, I've heard her do interviews and stuff, and they've always said Bernstein. No, it's always been Ellen Burstyn. That's funny. I find it spelled differently, too. It's spelled Bernstein in other places. I wonder if she's changed the spelling of her name. Is that first one a different actress? It's the picture. The picture is the woman I'm no, thinking of. Show me your phone again. Hold on. I'm loading. I'm like 99.9% sure it's Ellen Burstyn. Hmm. Well, there's an N though. Burnston. No, there's not an N. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she's been. I just watched a movie. B U R S T Y N. Burston. That's weird. No, it's always been Ellen Burston. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Now you got me wondering. I'm going to have to listen to (laughs) interviews with her. It's really weird. I'm almost positive it's Ellen Burston. That is weird. See, that's a total Mandela effect thing. It's the Bernstein bear. Bernstein <laughs> it's the burst bears. Of bears. Oh, weird. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> During the post-production work on the film, Friedkin stated, quote, there were strange images and visions that showed up on film that were never planned. There are double exposures in the little girl's face at the end of one reel that were unplanned and unbelievable. Hmm. That creeps me out. That scares yeah. me. I don't know why. The film opened on December 26, 1973 to massive crowds. Within weeks of the first public screenings of the film, stories started to make the rounds that audience members were fainting and vomiting in the theaters. There were also reports of disturbing nightmares, and reportedly a number of theater ushers had to be placed under a doctor's care or quit their jobs after experiencing successive showings of the movie. In numerous cities that were checked after The Exorcist had run for several weeks, reeks, several <laughs> weeks, reporters found that every major hospital had been forced to deal with patients who reported, after seeing the film, severe cases of vomiting and hallucinations. There were also reports of people being carried out of theaters in stretchers. Maybe it's the so, subliminal messages. It's, it's, like I said there, I don't... Because like, I've seen it and I didn't I, have any of those problems. I don't like that movie. I don't want to see that movie. Hmm. It's been like 20 years since I saw it, but yeah. I don't recall having any issues. Rumors have always persisted that Friedkin took actual demonic voices from a recorded exorcism and mixed them into the movie's sounds. Friedkin did admit that he was in possession of a cassette recording of an actual exorcism performed in Rome. It involves the exorcism of a 14-year-old boy. Friedkin says, quote, I got the tape through the Jesuit provincial of New York, and on the tape are the sounds produced by this young man supposedly possessed. Why would they give him something like that? I don't know. 
Friedkin says he never used the actual audio in the movie, but he did emulate the sounds that the in the demonic voices heard in the movie. Hmm. But I could see him actually using the voices mm-hmm. to kind of amp it up. I really could. Hmm. So that's The Exorcist. There's a <laughs> lot of people that think it's it's well, cursed. There's clearly a lot of weird stuff that happened. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of the people getting sick. Is that a result of filming techniques? Friedkin's an interesting guy. He puts like subliminal imagery in his films a lot. Well, if you think about... So this made me think of The Blair Witch Project and how people we're getting sick watching it in the movie but theater. But I think that's because it was found footage and I think it was the motion sickness. The motion sickness. But I think it's because you're in a d- huge dark room with this gigantic screen. Yeah. Watching it on a TV. Oh, I just hit my microphone. Watching it on a TV has, you don't get that same effect. No. So I could see no. how watching something, just being in a movie theater and the screen being so large, it's overwhelming. Yeah. I could see having a different reaction than just watching it at home on your TV. Yeah. And at home on your TV, you can pause it and do something else. And then you can't really in the theater. Yeah. So I guess I get that. It's just, I don't, there's something about the movie. I don't want to watch it. Hmm. It freaks me out. I guess I watched it and it didn't really have, I mean, it was freaky, but it didn't have like a lasting impact on me or anything. Exorcist 2, I heard is horrible. Exorcist 3. Uh, Exorcist, I should have put that actually as my. Isn't there like Exorcist 3 though? Isn't it? Well, one of them is a prequel. Exorcist 2 is a prequel. Okay. Exorcist 3 is actually really a really good movie, but it's not a really good Exorcist movie. Mm. It would have been a great movie on its own. A standalone. Mm. We talked about this in the in an earlier episode. It has like one of the most revered jump scares ever mm. in a movie. Okay. And it does legitimately when I don't it happens. Know if I've even seen it. Yeah. There's there's a scene where Are they recent movies? No, this is from the 80s. Oh, really? Okay. Like the jump scares, there's a scene in the movie where they're in a hospital because okay. one of the characters in the movie is in a hospital or in okay. an asylum. I don't remember. But there's a scene where it's a long shot down a hallway and you're watching this nurse and it's just kind of boring, like nothing happens. You're watching this nurse go into a room, walks back out, and she goes into like the room across the hall, sticks her head in there, looks around, and then turns off the light, turns around and walks away. And right at that moment, somebody lunges out of the door with a huge like hedge clipper on her head. Oh my God. And you don't see it coming and it's just perfectly done. It's like a perfect huh. jump scare. Okay. And then it cuts to like a religious statue with its head cut off. Oh, interesting. So yeah, but it's, I'll maybe see if I can find it and send the you clip? a link. It's like yeah. a good, it's like I've seen shows where they talk about horror movies that this is like voted the number one jump scare because hmm. you totally don't see this coming. Okay. Film number two that is supposedly cursed, Poltergeist. That's the one I'm going to bring That's the one you want me to watch. You know what's funny, though, is I don't consider it a horror movie. Seriously? Well, Steven Spielberg directed it. It's like, yeah. to me, it's more of a suspense movie as well. I mean, I realize it's paranormal, but I don't watch that movie and get, like, scared. Yeah. I've, to me, I've, it has to scare me to be, seen to be a clips. horror movie. And I've, it's like a nostalgic, like, really? I have to watch it at this time of year, but I'm not a... It's like, it doesn't freak you maybe out. Maybe as a kid, it scared yeah. me because, I mean, I was a kid, but... I just don't know why I've never gotten around to seeing it. It's so good. Um, I'll watch it. If you want yes, me to watch it, I will watch it. <laughs> yes, you will. Yes, you will. So Poltergeist, a 1982 film. Uh, there are a lot of interesting stories about the film besides the curse. And this this I didn't know, but you just mentioned Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. For years and years, Toby Hooper was credited as being the director of the film, but rumors persisted that Steven Spielberg actually directed the film, and it's come out that that rumor is basically true. 
According to a 2017 article on the website, The AV Club, which I love, The AV Club. That's where I go for like all my reviews of the episodes of The Walking Dead. I'm pretty sure his name is in the credits in the, in the beginning It of shows the movie. up in the... But it, he wasn't acknowledged as the director. Oh, okay. Apparently my phone is on vibrate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did not know that. Hmm. I just always assumed he directed it. It has so many like things that remind me of like E.T. And yeah, yeah. It's even very the music is very Spielberg. Yeah. According to a 2017 article on the website, the AV Club called, quote, Poltergeist Cameraman confirms longstanding rumor about film's real director. According to Annabelle director John Leonetti, who was a cameraman for Poltergeist, he says, quote, Candidly, Steven Spielberg directed that movie. There's no question. However, Toby Hooper, I adore. I love that man so much. Hooper was so nice and just happy to be there. He did have creative input. Steven developed the movie and it was his to direct, except there was anticipation of a director's strike. So he was, quote, the producer, but really he directed it in case there was going to be a strike and Toby Hooper was cool with that. Hmm. It wasn't anything against Toby. Every once in a while, Steven would actually leave the set and let Toby do a few things just because, but really Steven directed it, which I never knew that. As far as the curse of the movie, one of the first cast member deaths was 22-year-old Dominique Dunn, who played older sister Dana in the movie. After breaking up with her controlling and abusive boyfriend just a few months after the release of Poltergeist, the boyfriend, John Thomas Sweeney, showed up at her house one night. So, not good. Mm-mm. On October 30th, a few weeks after the breakup, Dunn was at her home rehearsing for the miniseries V with actor David Packer. While she was speaking to a female friend on the phone, John Sweeney had the operator break into the conversation. Dunn later told her friend, quote, Oh God, it's Sweeney. Let me get him off the phone. Ten minutes later, Sweeney showed up. After speaking to him through the locked door, Dunn agreed to speak to him on the porch while Packer remained inside. Outside, the two began to argue. Packer later said that he heard smacking sounds, two screams, and a thud. He called police, but was told that Dunn's home was out of their jurisdiction. Packer then, I know, I don't get that. Oh my God. I don't, I don't get that either. Packer then phoned a friend and told his friend that if he was found dead, John Sweeney killed him. Packer left the home through the back entrance, approached the driveway, and saw Sweeney in some nearby bushes kneeling over Dunn's body. Sweeney told Packer to call the police. When police arrived, Sweeney met them in the driveway with his hands in the air and stated, quote, I killed my girlfriend and I tried to kill myself. Sweeney later testified that Dunn and he had argued, but he could not remember what happened after their exchange and could only recall being on top of her with his hands around her throat. Convenient. Dunn was transported to Cedar sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles, where she was placed on life support because her heart had stopped. She never regained consciousness. Over the following days, doctors performed brain scans that showed she had no brain activity due to oxygen deprivation, and on November 4th, 19 days before her 23rd birthday, her parents removed her from life support. I remember when that happened. I remember seeing news stories about that when that happened. I don't remember. I maybe when was it? What year? That was. It was after the movie came out, so it was 1982. Yeah, I would have been too young. 1982 to really or 1983. That. I remember. I knew about this. Yeah, I remember seeing from... stuff on the news about it. Hmm. The second cast member to die was 60-year-old Julian Beck, who portrayed Henry Kane in Poltergeist Two: The Other Side. Beck had been diagnosed with stomach cancer in 1983 and died from the disease on September 4th, 1985. By the way, the sequels are terrible. <laughs> are they? <laughs> yes. But they're, they're like tying up all these curses on this one with the sequels too, that they think the whole franchise is mm-hmm. cursed. I don't know. 
On June 23, 1987, 53-year-old Will Sampson, who had portrayed Taylor in Poltergeist 2, The Other Side, died from post-operative kidney failure and pre-operative malnutrition problems after undergoing a heart and lung transplant. And on February 4, 1988, 12-year-old Heather O'Rourke died. O'Rourke was misdiagnosed with Crohn's disease in 1987. In 1988, O'Rourke became really sick and her symptoms were attributed to the flu. One day later, she collapsed and suffered a cardiac arrest. After being airlifted to Children's Hospital in San Diego, O'Rourke died during an operation to correct a bowel obstruction. It was later believed that she had been suffering from a congenital intestinal abnormality. Hmm. And this is one that I briefly mentioned in a previous episode where a lot of people tie this into the Hollywood pedophilia ring that that's actually what she died from and not what they're saying she died from. Hmm. so died just from what being abused abused okay. sexually abused so she played carol ann in yes the movie. she played the but little there, girl. that's a, there's a lot of rumors about mm-hmm. that but take that with a grain of salt but yeah i've never heard any of that yeah, i've only there's, heard there's about a lot of rumors that that's how she problems. actually died okay richard lawson was aboard u.s air flight 405 when it crashed into flushing bay in march 1992 a total of 27 people out of the 51 on board were killed. Lawson survived, but the event is yet another reason people claim the movie is cursed. Lou Perryman played the small role of Pugsley in the original film. He was 67 years old when a recently released ex-convict broke into his house and killed him with an axe. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That does so not sound like I, a good I, way to go. I, Pugsley. I'm trying I, to figure I, out who Pugsley is. I feel like the exorcist curse is more... Legit. Legit. Mm-hmm. This one is tying in a lot of people from the various sequels. Think, yeah. And a lot of these are like just like kind of old age, dying, like natural. Yeah, yeah. sort of circumstantial. So I, don't, I don't really hmm. buy this, but you do you know what a lot of the curse beliefs from this movie are tied in with? Indian stuff or no? Skeletons. Skeletons. Okay. Yes. Yes, there's because scene, they were real. Yeah, there's a scene where the, the mom is in the pool and mm-hmm. there's skeletons surfacing. She didn't know at the time no. that they were real. In the TV Land show called TV Land Myths and Legends in 2008, the mom on the in the movie that was Joe Beth Joe Williams, Beth Williams yeah. said, quote, you have to understand that this sequence took probably four or five days to shoot. So I was in mud and goop all day, every day for like four or five days with skeletons all around me as I was screaming. In my innocence, I assumed that these were not real skeletons. I assumed that they were prop skeletons made out of plastic or rubber. I found out, as did the whole crew, that they were using actual real skeletons because it's far too expensive to make fake skeletons out of rubber. And I think everybody got real creeped out by the idea of that. Like, where did they get these skeletons? That's what they sell for, like, to hang in colleges and stuff for, like, the skeletal system. Those are legit skeletons I a lot get of the that, time. but for a movie? According to an article on Snopes.com, in a 1982 trial as part of a lawsuit by two screenwriters who claimed their ideas had been stolen for the movie, special effects makeup assistant Craig Reardon said under oath that the skeletons used for the scene were real. Hmm. During his deposition, Reardon said, quote, I acquired a number of actual biological surgical skeletons. It's what they're called. They're for hanging in classrooms and study. These are actual skeletons from people. I think the bones are acquired from India. But at any rate, we got 13 of these, and we dressed them so that they looked not like bleached, clean, bolted-together skeletons, but instead disintegrating cadavers. (laughs) And, you know, added sculptured rubber and things to them so that they would have kind of a dramatic, leering, spooky aspect and not be dull. What am I trying to say? They were clinical-type corpses, you know? Mm -hmm. So they were actual, legitimate skeletons, but I don't 
I don't know, because they use actual legitimate skeletons in colleges and... Not for horror movies, though. Yeah. I feel like that's sort of a disrespectful thing to do with someone's remains. I mean, I get that, but I just don't see that as carrying a curse, I guess. I don't know. It's interesting because the whole plot of the movie is that the subdivision was built on an Indian Indian burial burial ground. Yeah. But that's where a lot of people think that this curse came from was the Mm. fact that they were using actual skeletons. Mm. I just don't think... I mean, granted, a lot of people did die, but I feel like it's a lot of people from the sequels. I feel like more stuff would have happened on set. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like The Exorcist, there were things, injuries and fires and stuff happening on set. This was all stuff that happened. postponed the actual filming of the movie. Yeah, this was all stuff that happened to characters after the movie wrapped or, you know. And it was like during surgeries and stuff, so I don't... I don't know. Yeah, I I don't really buy into it. What happened to Heather O'Rourke was tragic, no doubt about that. And, yeah, and, and, and that's kind of like the Dominique Dunn of this movie where it's like a tragic death that didn't kind of have to happen, mm-hmm. you know, but as far as if these are curses, I don't it know. It is weird that two people were murdered, like two actors yeah. from the movie were murdered, yeah. but yeah, I just don't know if I buy horror movie curses. If I do The Exorcist, possibly. Yeah, because that's like freak accidents. Yeah. That's, I mean, there's people weird. that legitimately think that the film the actual material that the f- movie is filmed on is cursed because really? the film is the exorcist mm-hmm. so people wanted that burned because they believe that that film is actually cursed itself okay so i don't know hmm. so there are two cursed horror movies i think i'm with you the exorcist i can buy into yeah poltergeist, poltergeist is more circumstantial a series of unfortunate yeah coincidences yeah I also think there's sort of something to the idea that these are high profile-ish kind of people. Yeah. And so, A, you're probably traveling a lot. If you'd fly a lot, you're more likely to end up in a plane crash. Yes. If you're more high profile, weirdos are, you know, they're aware of you. And so they probably seek you out more than they would just the average Jane Doe or Joe Schmo. So, I don't know. There's people that swear these are both cursed. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. So now we'll talk about some of our favorite We're horror segue movies. Into our I favorite. tasked Krista with coming up with three of her favorite horror movies. I have four. She's got four. She always has <laughs> to I go can't one extra. She's always got to do. She's always got to go above and beyond. <laughs> and I asked her for one that she think is over that she thinks is overrated. Oh. <laughs> I went to scratch my nose and whap myself in the face with a microphone. <laughs> See, no, we're cursed. We're cursed. We're cursed. (laughs) Strange Sessions is cursed. (laughs) And I asked her to think of one that is a guilty pleasure pleasure. horror movie. So start with the guilty pleasure horror movie. Ah, crap. See, that's the one Oh, you want to start with the one that you think is overrated? Yeah. We'll start with the one you think is overrated. I'm going to get hate mail. I feel... Anything beyond the first movie in the Saw franchise is completely overrated. I, I don't think there's people that are going to disagree with okay. you. I love the Saw movies. The first movie was good, amazing. Yeah. I thought it was amazing. I like my favorite is the second movie, and I can't I can't get anything beyond the first one. To me, was like them just trying to recapture the the, the yeah, magic yeah. of the first I, one. I totally agree. I think I love the Saw movies, and anytime one comes out, I see it. Mm. But I, don't I even love. Bother. I hate. I don't like torture porn. We talked about no, this. No, no. I don't. I've never seen Hostel. I don't want to see Hostel. I have, and it's disturbing. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to see it. Um, or The Hills Have Eyes or any of those yeah. weird... No, the first Saw movie was, to me, sort of groundbreaking. It, it That twist at the end is so mind-blowing. Yeah. I didn't see it coming. Yeah. Most people I know did not see that coming. And it was just... It's kind of not realistic. 
Yeah, I could. I don't know. Sort of though. Like I think any movie that makes you think, "What would I do?" Like you can yeah. put yourself in the situation. Yeah. And really legitimately feel that what the the characters are feeling on the screen i don't know i feel like that's a good movie so all the movies that follow so unrealistic it's just yeah ridiculous so that's my overrated i am i agree i know there are people who are hardcore about that i like the early movies i think i've discussed this on here too i like the early movies because there was a legitimate chance that somebody could get out of the traps i love the theory i love the theory behind Mm -hmm. the movie that you can get out of these traps if you do something but yeah. every like the later ones, as it went on, if you see somebody in a trap, you're going to see them die in that trap. That's yeah. that's end of story. Right. But I like the, I don't want to say morality, but I mean it is kind of a morality sort of, yeah. that he's showing these people to appreciate life. Right. You know, I love the little twist at the end of the very last movie. I haven't seen any of. I I saw I think the second one. And I was like, oh, this is such a departure from the first one. Yeah. I don't. This is a spoiler for the last. No, not the last movie. The second last movie. What was supposed to be the last movie. But at the end of the movie, there's this the other guy that's like Jigsaw is long since dead. And there's another guy that's in his place doing all these traps. But he's kind of not giving people a chance to get out. Mm. And he's just basically killing people. Okay. And at the end of that movie that was supposed to be the last in the Saw franchise, he ends up killing Jigsaw's ex-wife. I can't remember her name. Jill. He ends up killing Jill. Okay. And then he goes to get away and he gets clobbered by somebody in the pig mask. Okay. And he wakes up at the end and he's in the mm. basement from the first movie and the person in the pig mask yeah. takes it off. And it's the doctor from the first movie who has been helping Jigsaw all along that he's been the doctor that's been like putting the keys inside people that they need to get out and stuff like that. Wow. So the doctor from the first movie is helping him and that's kind of how it ends. Okay. And that's a good twist. It was a good twist. It was a really good twist. And. I like the movies, but they're not they they're not as good as what they could have been, I guess. I just feel like once you once that first movie came out and you, you got through that, it's like nothing's really gonna compare to that now. Yeah. You're yeah. they're just trying to yeah ride the coattails yes, of that. Basically, movie. yeah. So no, I, so. I I I totally you might get hate mail, but I'm totally on board. I think <laughs> okay, good. I think it's started out good and it got way overrated. Yeah. Okay. You're gonna hate my selection oh, for most overrated horror movie. Okay, I'm ready. Jaws. Oh, it is really? boring. It's oh, I've tried watching it and it is boring as hell. I don't I don't think it's scary. I just I guess because I don't sharks don't do anything for me. Oh man, I think water is actually kind of scary. They're just big bitey fish with big teeth. Yeah, but they can just eat you and kill you. So can grizzly bears. To me, it's, I just don't. I you don't, can't see it coming as the fear for me. Anytime you're in a body of water, you can't see anything. You're just at the mercy of whatever's in the water, and that to me, that's what sharks—they're the ultimate predator in the water. I and guess I, just, I can see that, but I, I finally just, sat down to watch it, thinking this is going to be a great horror movie, and it's so slow. There's a lot of, um, but in the seven, tension building in the seventies, they didn't. I mean, it wasn't nonstop action it scene, was slow action, burns. action, action. There like were slow the burns, like the shining. Yeah. But it would. I don't like burns that slow. Mm. I just don't. I thought. I think it's an overrated movie. I don't think it's. I, think, I don't think it's that great of a movie. I think I like the townspeople. I like the the town it was shot in. Like there's all these like that's some bad hat Harry. That's like that line is played at the end of like certain shows yeah. on yep. a certain network. I don't even know yep. what it is. There's just like little things. That's another Spielberg movie, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, just, I love it. I, I love overrated. it. To me, it's I think a it's classic. Boring. I think it's not that scary. 
So yeah. that's, that's, I think I get I get that. I can respect it. There's another one that I was going to put here that I'm going to talk about because I know it's a movie you're going to bring up. Okay. And, but I... Maybe. You probably will. Okay. You definitely probably will. So now guilty pleasure <gasps> horror movie. See, I had a hard... I couldn't come up with anything because... One that's like just not a good movie, but that not you good, feel... Not good, but I still watch but it But you still anyway. love it. As far as... Do you want you me to go yours, first? You do yours, yeah. Um, don't mine, mind if I'm doing this. <laughs> mine is Friday the 13th Part 6, that's Jason Lives. Really specific. <laughs> it's very specific, but I love that huh. movie. I don't know if I've even seen it. There's so it's, many of those movies. It's smack dab in the middle of the run. I, I love the Friday the 13th movies. I really do. That's like one of okay. my guilty pleasure series is Friday the 13th movies. Hmm. And I love Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives, because it... I was reading about it on Wikipedia last night that it got ravaged by critics at the time. But now critics looking back on it say that it's actually a decent movie because... People say that Scream is the first meta horror movie, but but a lot of people say now Friday the 13th Part 6 kind of was because mm. it doesn't take itself seriously. And it, you know, like there's a scene where this guy and the girl are in a car and there's a and Jason is standing ahead of them on the road and they stop and the girl says, I've seen enough horror movies to know that any weirdo wearing a mask is not good. And mm-hmm. that's kind of right. like a self, self-referential thing. And... This movie was like one of the first ones I can remember that did that. Hmm. And I know it's a stupid thing to say about a Friday the 13th movie, but this one's almost kind of playful where it's funny. It has like funny scenes. Sure. Uh, it's, it's hard to explain. It was originally, they originally made the, them go back and film more death scenes because there weren't enough death scenes. Um you know, there's like a scene where Jason's at the camp killing people and he walks through this room with kids sleeping and he doesn't kill any of the kids. Oh. And the kids are even kind of like funny talking to saying stuff to each other. So it's it's a really meta horror movie before Scream. Hmm. And one thing that I love about it, and this is going to be totally hypocritical and you're going to know that it's totally hypocritical, <laughs> is that it's the only Friday the 13th with no nudity. Oh, sure. Which I That's really, interesting. I really like... Because, you know, like, I'm a guy. It's all gratuitous. I'm a it guy. doesn't have to be I'm in I'm a guy. There. Everybody yeah. that knows me knows I like you boobs. You like boobs. I like boobs. But all men like boobs. I don't... Anytime there's nudity in a movie that's, like, overly gratuitous, it just is, like... It pulls me out of the movie, and I'm like, this is so dumb. Yeah, it takes away from the movie. And Friday the 13th are known for gratuitous nudity. Yeah. And this one didn't have that. So, hmm. like I said, this one was almost playful. In a, in a weird sort of way, this one was actually, like, kind of charming... You know, like the the final girl is really cool, and the final guy is really cool. So it was a. You're really... not hoping they get murdered through the no, whole thing. No, no. So it was it was a really good movie. And I love Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. That is my guilty pleasure horror movie. Interesting. I did come up with one. Okay. I know what you did last summer. I've never seen that. Really, I have okay. never seen. I know what you so did last it summer. Kinda, I think it's sort of in the same time frame as like the Scream movies, because then there's I still know what you did last summer. It's like one of those movies that's kind of like a cliche through the whole thing. Jennifer Love Hewitt is like the star. I think Ryan Phillippe is in it, and um, Buffy. What's her name? Sarah Michelle Gellar. She's in there. Yeah. I don't know if I knew that. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those. It's. Nobody's going to look at that movie and say what a masterpiece, but if I come across it, I'm watching it. Like, even if it's halfway through, I'm still, I don't know why, I'm still going to watch it. Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar's husband in real life is in it too. Uh, I can't think Freddie of Freddie Prince Jr.? Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's in it yeah. too. 
I have never seen that. Hmm. It's it's decent. I would recommend watching it. It's you know it's definitely suspenseful and scary, but it's sort of one of those you know teeny bop sort of. Yeah. I can't relate to anyone in the show because yeah. I'm too old. Movies. Yep. There was another that. one too that I just thought of that I actually really love. I can't think of the name of the movie, but she's. I think it's a remake, but she's a babysitter taking care of these kids and she keeps getting phone calls and it's the classic. She realizes that the calls yeah. are coming from in the house. Yeah. I can't even think of the main actress. I'll have to come back to that. Um, but I, that's another one that it's, it's not like a great horror movie, but it, there's something about that. That is so creepy to yeah. me. Yep. Someone's watching that. you and you that. realize that they've been in the house with you the whole time. That's really creepy to me. So cool. Okay, favorite horror movies. Start with your. I only got three. You got four. Yeah. So of course, Poltergeist. Okay. I mean, but it's one that I don't even consider a horror movie. But to me, it, it's a must see at this okay. time of That's year. Acceptable. It's just so classic. It, it's a movie that I grew up on, and I don't know. I I just I thought it was a great movie. Wait, go on to your next one. Blair Witch. Okay, that is the one that. I think is a little bit overrated. Really? I love the movie. I love Blair Witch Project. The okay. first time I saw it, it blew me away. But repeated viewings, not so much. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. It's effective, but it's people in a woods running around, swearing, yelling, Josh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's but just, that it's, is creepy. That scene where they're trying, they can hear him calling. Yeah. But he it, it won't has creeps. It them? has creeps. It has cre- the creep factor, but... I feel like once you see it, it's like, all right, it's just a lot of, and it's still one of my favorite horror movies. It is, but I think it's overrated. Hmm. I really do. And I finally just saw the, the new Blair Witch. Oh, what did you think of that? It was okay. It was the same. It was like the same premise. Yeah. I think there's just something so horrifying about being in the woods at night. You get split up. There's really effed up things happening to the people around you and you can't get your bearings and you can't find your people. And then... For the new one, when they finally show the Blair Witch, yeah, I thought that was really creepy. Yeah, like I was because it's just like frozen. It's, you don't see it a lot. It's no. just like quick flashes. Well, that's why that I wasn't love the actually Blair the Blair Witch. Movies. They say that oh, that was really? the somebody else that was tied to a tree and became like a tree. That's what that thing is. That's oh, not the actual witch. It's this it other person that's helping the witch. So this is the movie. It's when a stranger calls. Oh, I've never seen that either. And um, the actress, I will get there in a second, who I, she's sort of like a... Is it Camilla something? Yes, Camilla Bell. Yes. That's the actress. Yep. Anyway, when a stranger calls. Okay. Um, yeah, the Blair Witch to me, obviously, I love the found footage genre. I yeah. do. Um, I actually just recently watched two new ones on Amazon Prime. I think one is called The Blackwell Ghost or The Blackwell House. That was really good. And I'm not even sure if that was like a movie or a documentary. It was one where you're just not sure. Yeah. But nothing like profoundly horrifying happens, but it's yeah. really, it does give you the creeps. And then another one, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but if you... I, I feel like found footage just played out. There's only so many ways that you can... Like when they come up with dumb ideas of why this is being filmed, it pulls me out of the movie. Yeah. You know, like Blair Witch did it good. Like I understood that. Yeah. But. I think Blair Witch, like I said, they don't ever really show you anything. It's all, they're seeing something and they're hearing something and you can't see or hear what it is except when they're in the tent and the baby's like. Yes. Yeah. I still get the chills just thinking about that. Totally it's get the it. little things like that that really scare the bejesus out of me. Totally get it. Don't show me the scary thing. Let me imagine it in my mind. Yes. I can put myself in the woods 
in their shoes, lost day after day. You're going in circles. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's like you've you've somehow transported to another place that yep. a different reality almost. Okay, Kurt, what do you got? For my third, I have the movie Session Nine. Yes, I've I talk, love that I've one I've talked about too. this movie on here, and this one, it just gives me the creeps, especially when they listen to the audio recording of the mental patient, and it switches to the voice, like the creepy voice. I can't remember what the... the it's been so long since uh, I watched that movie, but I remember just Jim, Jim and I watched that together, just being so disturbed and freaked out by that movie. Just the location and the fact that they're there alone and Simon, the the name is the Simon. Okay. When the when they're talking to the girl, the the mental patient, and then she switches to the personality Simon, mm. the one that says he lives in the weak and wounded. That that whole scene, listening to the voice thing, creeps me out. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but when you find out what's really happening in the movie, it really messes you up because it's something that could legitimately happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's about a group that goes into an abandoned. And st- is that just like two people? No, there's like four or five. Are there really? Jeez. It's been like 20. Yeah, I mean, this go, is an old movie. They go it's into been a an abandoned time. asylum, asylum to yeah. clean the asbestos out and stuff starts to happen. So that is my third uh, session nine. Love that movie. Okay. Creepy so recap, movie. what are your first two? No, I'm going from my third down. Oh, I'm not ranking in any sort of order. Oh, okay. But that, <laughs> that was my third one is, is okay. event. Or, okay. Or, is it her, her, <laughs> session nine <laughs> event horizon <laughs> oh that's we'll funny. go to my second one now which is event horizon great segue which is a sci- it's a, a sci-fi, sci-fi movie but it's a sci-fi slash horror movie and this is one of the few movies le- that legitimately messed me up i was so creeped out watching it you have to refresh because i know i've seen it but it's one of those movies that's kind of hazy in my memory i don't really remember the uh plot. it's you know in the future whatever uh this spaceship that's been dis that's vanished and been gone for years shows up again okay and they send this other ship to go find out what happened on that ship but yeah. when they're on that ship they find out what happened is that the ship actually went to hell and came back and there's a scene where they're on the ship and they're watching the video log of the ship when it goes into hell. And I don't even remember exactly what all happens on that video they're watching, but that legitimately, I had to shut it off. Because I feel that, like I need to watch it, it again. It bothered me so much. Okay. You know, I just remember it ends with one of the guys holding his eye in his hand oh. out and saying something in Latin. Oh, boy. And it just creeped me out so much that I shut it off and I finally got back around to rewatching it and... That's one of the few movies that legitimately creeps me out. Event Horizon. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Just like it, but also don't like it. Hmm. So that's my other one. What's your other one? Um, the Birds. The Birds. I know. I know so Bridget good. would Bridget, no, Bridget would, would appreciate that. Yeah. That's just that. That is a movie that I will watch over and over and over again. There's, yeah. It's not even just like the, the horror of what's happening. Yeah. It's I I just love that era. I love Tippy Hedren. I love the town that they're in. I love. Yeah. There's so many things I love about that movie. It is a good movie. movie. Um, but yeah, Hitchcock is that just, and Psycho. I mean, I didn't. Yeah. Psycho is not on my list. But I like. I prefer the Birds over Psycho. Really? Yeah, I, I prefer do. Psycho. I think Psycho is one of the best. It might be because I prefer Tippy over um, Janet Lee. Yeah, Janet Lee. Yeah. The you know the heroine is always. Yeah. The final really girl. important yeah the final girl yep. um yeah i just love everything about that movie i think it's yes. 
perfection. Totally agree. Slow burn perfection. In my yeah. last movie that I have ranked at number one, we mentioned this in an earlier episode when somebody asked what we thought the best horror movie was. It is Halloween. Me too. The That's original my last Halloween one. <laughs> is the perfect. It is perfect. It's It borders on slasher without being really violent there's not really a lot of blood anything. yeah but i i cannot stress enough how that is the perfect horror movie yeah i love it i love that there's scenes in the daytime like when he's watching from behind yes. the hedge that there's scenes it doesn't have to be night it can be during or the behind day. the clothes that are yeah. hanging yeah, yeah little like it doesn't stuff have like to be night it can be during the day it doesn't have to just be frightening at night and it's just such a good movie and it just really is knowing how she feels probably yeah. am i going crazy nobody yeah. else is seeing what i'm seeing yep. And, and of course, the whole, he never moves quickly. Yeah. <laughs> but yep. somehow always catches up to everybody, yeah. you know? Like, it, it, he's silent. He never makes any noise. You never see his face. It's sort of like, yeah, it is the perfect horror movie. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's just such so a classic. Good. It is so good. And it's playing right now. I mean, yeah. you can find it's, it on, it's on all the all time right now. Stations. But that's one movie that I can watch nonstop. I think it's filmed brilliantly. Mm-hmm. The music is mm-hmm. completely memorable. I yeah. just think it's the perfect horror movie. It really I agree. is. What did you think of the the latest one? I liked it. I did. There too. was there was there were two scenes in there that were brilliant. But the one that I think was like the most brilliant thing was, and this isn't giving away any spoilers, but towards the end of the movie when the new one, yeah, when okay. Laurie is fighting uh, Michael in the house, she ends up they're fighting up on the balcony and she gets thrown off the balcony or ends up falling off the balcony. And then he can hear Lori's daughter screaming in the house. So he turns back and looks at the house. And then he looks over the edge of the balcony and she's gone. And which they, is a classic. Which is this. It's the exact yeah. end of the first Halloween movie. Because yeah. at the end of the first movie, he goes off the balcony and she looks down That's and he's true. gone. Yes. And when he looks down and sees that she's gone, they play the same little musical tone that they play at the end of the original mm-hmm. Halloween. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was brilliant that they did that. And there's another moment that everybody is like, everybody cheers for when they see it i don't want to really give away any spoilers so if you don't want to if you don't want to miss any if you don't want to hear any spoilers turn it off or fast forward temporarily (laughs) but it's the scene where Lori's daughter is in the basement and she's got her daughter with her Mm -hmm. and you know that there's like the little stairway going down and you know that michael is up in the kitchen just like out of view right and is the the island is still over the stairs or it's 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 open that okay he's it's up open. there okay and she's down there and and her mom Lori, like trained her to be a survivor and all this stuff and she kind of got away from that yeah and she's down in the basement standing at the base of the stairs with a gun and she's like and she lowers a gun and she starts crying and saying i can't do this mom you know help me and she's screaming and sobbing and she's trying to protect her daughter behind her and michael can hear her and hear how scared she is so then he steps in the frame at the top of the the stairs and she's crying and screaming and then just like it's like a switch like, gets flipped like a switch yeah. gets flipped and then she picks up a gun and says gotcha and just fires a gun mm-hmm. and just blasts them mm-hmm. and there's recordings on youtube of like theater reactions when she does that and people just, I cheer. just got the chills a little people bit. cheer and go nuts because nobody i did not expect that i right. thought she was like legitimately, legitimately breaking but when down. she says gotcha and shoots them that was just an amazing moment so yeah. that and the reversal of the balcony getting thrown off the balcony were just really good. It was way better than I expected it to be. It really was. I also they have... had to amp up the gore, of course, yeah. which I don't necessarily I don't... like, but yeah, they had no, to do it either. to get, you know, T 
teenagers and whatnot yeah. into the theater. I also happen to like the Rob Zombie. Halloween. I don't like Rob Zombie horror movies. Uh, I, I like his. Well, I could see why people wouldn't be into like House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects. Although I like those movies because they are like really disturbing yeah. and gory. Yeah. But I love his Halloween remake. Didn't I thought it. I just was, I don't want to. Oh, if it's, it's his. It's I nothing, just don't want to see it. It's not like those other movies. He really, you can tell he reveres the original, yeah. and he really yeah. does a good job with it. I, I love that in the remake of or the the sequel, the new sequel to Halloween, that they did away with everything and said no, that's not really his sister. You oh. know, because she kind of became his sister. Yeah. Some of the sequels are so bad. Yeah. Some of the Halloween sequels are so bad. And then he was going after his niece through yeah. half of them. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it was. It was, I love Halloween. So yeah, so that's, that's my my fourth one is Halloween. Sweet. So agree on Poltergeist one. is sort of like my suspense one that I threw in because I can't leave it out. There's but, a lot yeah. of good ones that I didn't put on here. Yeah. You know, like the guilty pleasure one is... Uh, I just feel like there's so many good movies. Like I even for, I forget about the paranormal activity movies yeah. until somebody brings them up and I'm like, those movies messed me up. I mean, they were yep. really good, really scary movies. Yeah. There's Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which I love because oh. that's one of my guilty pleasures and that's the one where hard to explain it without giving anything away but did you ever see Dan, uh tucker and dale i versus think i Evil? have yeah that's what like the two rednecky guys that yes you know there's the the, the college typical horror movie college kids are coming going camping yeah and then they run into these two yeah, redneck we, it's a recent movie yeah, yeah we they run into it. these two okay. redneck guys that like stare them down on the highway and stuff and but they're actually like yeah the heroes and one of the, the girls movie. when they're out swimming she falls off something while they're boating so they drag her out of the water and they're like hey we got your friend and they <laughs> yeah. go away it's like a total yeah, spoof it really is. and then you know she wakes up and she sees them coming in the door and she's all freaked out but they're like bringing her pancakes or something like that and they're just like <laughs> nicest yeah the nicest dumbest guys it's a clever idea it is it's a really clever idea so these kids are trying to kill them to get their friend back and they end up killing each other or they're killing themselves Mm -hmm. trying to get them Mm -hmm. so then dale and tucker think that they're a suicide cult that's killing themselves in the woods (laughs) so it's just a really clever yeah movie it really is it's funny seeing the two sides of what's going on and how everything's being misinterpreted there's a a ton of horror movies that could have made this list as above so below is one i will have you i've never seen that it is a found footage and it is just wrought with so much anxiety inducing moments because they're crawling into tight spaces (laughs) and going underwater to get to other places and and there's really kind of creepy imagery happening and things like things just don't make sense they're basically in the catacombs and it's just like i don't know i because i messaged you when i was watching that expedition unknown where he was looking for the ark of the covenant and he was in that he's like wedging himself yeah he was going in that that (laughs) cave where the walls were pressing on his chest and his back and i was i I legitimately got queasy watching that because that he does that all i know the time they they ran out they were running out of air down there so they had to have the air tanks yeah he's not a small guy and he will wedge himself into some tiny ass places no thank you no so those are some of our favorite horror movies yeah we got a listener story sent to us and i think in this case if you have kids listening you might not want them to listen to this because this one gets kind of adult okay little strangers that's that's the only way i can explain it so a little adult so we got this email this one is i have not read this at all so this is new to me yeah my name is kelly something very serious strange and definitely paranormal happened to me in october through november 2008 
I will not disclose the full details of these encounters as some details are either too private or personal or too complicated for me to even try to explain. I will, however, give you a somewhat brief outline about me and assure you that I am by no means a fluke, crazy, or just looking for attention. I am a Christian, Protestant slash Lutheran, have been baptized and fully believe in heaven and hell. I am a recovering alcoholic, but I've been completely sober for almost 11 years. Congratulations. When the encounters first began back in 2008, I was almost a year sober. However, I was battling depression, had barely any friends left because they all drank on a regular basis, and was starting to feel hopeless and utterly alone. So my then boyfriend, sort of, decided to plan a trip to Maui, Hawaii for the two of us. He knew how much I loved Maui and also knew that this would give me something to look forward to. He was right, and naturally, I was focused on staying healthy and working out every day. I had three weeks before we would be leaving, so if I wasn't working, I was usually working out. As excited as I was for this trip, however, I wasn't in love with him and still felt very alone. Uh, Before you begin reading my encounters, I think it's very important to again emphasize that one, I was not under the influence of alcohol or drugs. Two, I do see a therapist weekly and have been for years. I see him for PTSD, OCD, and depression. I am not schizophrenic nor any type of mental illness that would cause me to see hallucinations. I apologize in advance if this is long, but I genuinely thank you for taking the time to read it. First encounter. I was in my apartment complex's clubhouse exercising on the treadmill when suddenly the TV and walls in front of me began to turn clockwise. I also felt spiders crawling under Krista just Oh my up. god. I also felt spiders crawling under my t-shirt and they crawled up on my shoulder and sat there as if they were friendly. I'm not sure how I knew they were spiders because I couldn't actually see them. Somehow I just knew. Oddly enough, I wasn't even the slightest bit afraid, which in a normal situation I would scream and run because I don't like spiders. This may sound strange, but I was immediately fascinated and charmed by the spiders. I knew that they were lesser or helper entities to something bigger. I was intrigued as to why the room had rotated right before my eyes, and somehow I knew this already was something paranormal, but I was not scared for some reason. I instead felt completely charmed and entranced. Next occurrence, I think on the same day or later, or day later, was when I was at my kitchen stove. I can't remember why, but the oven or stove was definitely not on or not in use. I was leaning against the stove with the vent on high so I could have a cigarette. I suddenly felt a warm tingling sensation starting at my feet and moved clear up through my whole body until it reached my head. I remember loving this sensation and thinking, how cool, this is just a friendly entity of some sort. My religious beliefs told me differently, so I was conflicted. Just in case it turned out to be an evil entity, I hung a wooden cross on my bed headboard and kept crosses in every room of my house just in case it turned out to be evil. The next series of events lasted, I think, three weeks. I won't go into great detail here because many strange and unexplainable things happened. I will try to sum it all up by saying the following pertinent points. Every night while in bed, I could see a large serpent or snake enter my bed under my covers. I could see the outline of it over my covers as it would start at the foot of my bed and slither clearly up to me and physically lift the covers at my chest. I could not actually see it, but I literally felt its tongue on my face. Again, I was not really scared for some reason, but more intrigued. The nights following involved usually just the one serpent, and one of those nights I could feel it shapeshift into something larger, more human or animal-like. It's creepy. <laughs> Crystal's like, eh. This feels demonic to yeah. me. That night it began having sex with me. As strange as it sounds, I actually enjoyed it. I won't elaborate any more than this in fear you'll all think I'm crazy. And I have read accounts. I've read accounts of people having sexual encounters with demons that feel like a tremendous amount of guilt because they enjoyed it. Yeah. And that's that's I've read that on more than one occasion. People that are like live with this you know, that live with this I don't want to say embarrassment, but live with this shame that Mm -hmm. they 
enjoyed this sexual encounter, whatever mm-hmm. this is. Other nights, there were two serpents. My bedroom door would always open first, then they would enter under the covers of my bed. One would often come and coil up between my legs and just stay there. Sometimes it appeared like the serpents were communicating by one seeming to swallow the head of the other. I don't know. It seems so bizarre. I can't explain it. I was verbally communicating with it during the day, usually later in the day when I wasn't at work. There was a beach bag on my door that I got from my previous trip to Maui. I would ask it questions and it would raise the bag up once for no and twice for yes. My clothes in the closet would move too. And whenever I would take a bath or shower, it would open the door, move my loofah around, open the shower curtain, things like that. A couple times, I physically felt hands massaging my legs. I would also still feel the spiders on me, which at first were nice. Then later in the days ahead, they would start biting and scaring me. I started to get locked inside my apartment. Sometimes I would get scared and call my mom, who was fully religious, practically a saint herself. It was hard for her, but she was the only one who believed me, especially because several times when I would call her, it kept disconnecting our phone calls. She would read the Bible and pray with me. I remember being upset with God, even though I had a cross on my bed that the serpent still came. Towards the end, okay, bear with me because this part seems totally crazy. Sometime after the sexual encounter, one evening I could feel something moving inside of me, like in my uterus. I could hear it making little noises like it was trying to come out of me. I was feeling like I was giving birth to something I couldn't see, but I could feel and hear. I was laying on my bathroom floor and it was taking forever and I was scared because it slammed my bathroom door shut when I tried to leave. I was scared that I was somehow giving birth to something demonic, so when it seemed like it was almost out, I somehow had a knife in the bathroom for protection, and I took the knife out and started chopping up whatever was in front of me that I couldn't see. It squealed or something, and I got up and was able to get out of my bathroom. I grabbed my phone, and after several disconnected attempts to get hold of my mom, I only got a few words out before it disconnected us again, but she could tell by the sound of my voice that I was scared. She came over, and it was a blur from there, but it was not gone. Some days later, I felt a scraping in my uterus, like I could feel something scraping its way out of my uterus. That's just horrible. Krista's like shaking her head. Yeah. Krista's like, nope. I called my mom again, and we went to the ER since it was like 8 o'clock at night. I tried to explain my concern to the ER, as sanely as I could make it sound. She checked my uterus and said everything looked fine. She said she knew of someone who could help me, though. I was happy because I thought she gave me the name of a pastor or a priest or someone like that, but it was just a name and address. I thought it was strange that she told me I could go there that night, so my mom drove me to the address, which happened to be a mental health facility. I went at the front desk, told them my name and the doctor that I was supposed to see. The lady at the desk slapped an admission wristband on me, and I told my mom, and she told my mom to leave because I was being admitted. I was hysterical. They drugged me up so much. The next few days were a blur. I do remember that my room was always dark, and there were always two serpents present. Each one would curl around each of my feet. I remember my dad coming and hearing him argue with the staff and the doctor, but the damn doctor would not let me out until I admitted that everything I saw or experienced was a hallucination. For reference, I definitely know the difference between a hallucination and what happened to me. Back in college, I had experimented with drugs a couple times, so I totally know the difference, but to get out of that hellhole, I finally played along and told the doctor what he wanted to hear. My dad picked me up and brought me back to my apartment. My mom and pastor were there. Not even my pastor, a true man of God, believed what I was saying. He seemed shaken being there, though. Only my mom would believe me. Everyone else thought I was drinking again or using drugs, but I wasn't. I was totally sane and lucid, but I was feeling helpless and scared. I somehow made it to Maui with my boyfriend, who I... Was that you? Yeah, I'm sorry. It scared me. I somehow made it to Maui with my then boyfriend, who I had told about the previous events only somewhat. We weren't that close. I liked him more as a friend, but not a close friend. The first few days, it was still with me. I won't elaborate how I knew, but he, I did actually, the he is in quotation marks. 
I did actually name it for some reason. I named it Damon, D-E-E-M-O-N, since it sounded kind of like demon. Was still with me even in Maui for the first few days. While my boyfriend and I were walking down the outside shopping stores, there was a big crowd. I heard a male voice call out my name, Kelly, but since that's a pretty common name, I shook it off. Shortly after, I heard the same male voice call out Damon. Holy, she says S word. Holy <laughs> crap. I asked my boyfriend if he heard that, and he said yes. Not sure if he did, though, but that freaked me out as that name is not very common. I had a bad feeling about it, but I still wanted to enjoy the trip. I mean, it's paradise, for God's sake. One night, probably two or three days into the seven-day trip, there was a luau at our resort. There were several tables of local and cultural arts and crafts. At the last table, there were these wooden statues and wall hangings. The local man approached me and told me that the one I was looking at was named Ku, K-U. He said that the statue was believed to ward off evil spirits. Yep, I was sold. He even engraved my name into the wooden statue for free and said it would bring me protection. Now, I was still a religious person, and I have learned never to worship false idols. To me, though, this was just a simple statue to be a decoration for my home. Plus, I was desperate, no doubt about it. Now, the minute I purchased that statue, everything paranormal stopped. I could tell, feel that it was gone. I was relieved and ecstatic, of course. As a true alcoholic I was, I celebrated with my boyfriend by drinking a lot. So the next couple days were very fun, kind of a blur, but still fun. On day six, I was getting sad to leave Maui and began sneaking tons of little bottles of vodka from the gift shop into our room. So by the time it was time to fly home, I was in full relapse mode, i.e. fully wasted. My boyfriend was not happy either. Upon returning home days later with the statue, my mom came over to my apartment and she already knew I was drinking again because my boyfriend called her and told her. I jabbered away telling her all about the trip, especially how I bought the statue named Ku that must have warded off the evil entity that I had been dealing with. She was happy to hear that I had fun and that my demon was no longer with me. However, she was concerned with the fact that I had purchased the statue and believed the statue is what dispelled said demon out of my life. She asked to see it, and when I gave it to her to look at, she told me the damn thing was an idol, and that's exactly what Satan would want me to do, to believe in the power of an idol rather than God. I thought I was a bit I thought it was a bit extreme but that's my mom for you. She took the big statue and left my apartment with it. An hour later she came back without the statue. What did you do with Ku I asked her. She said I went and burned it. And that was that I guess. I remember being pissed mainly because I spent like $65 on the thing and I thought it was neat. I wanted it as a decoration and a memory of Maui. I wasn't planning on worshiping it. So being pissed and confused and sad to be away from paradise I waited for my mom to leave and then I continued drinking and it continued for weeks until I could actually feel that I was inadvertently killing myself with alcohol. I had a feeling that that's what the demon wanted. I didn't really want to die. I finally had enough and I wanted help. So I ended up in rehab again. Through much hell and anguish, I did finally get completely sober again. As I stated earlier, I've now been completely sober for almost 11 years. People can literally die from withdrawals from alcohol. I did experience a seizure. I bit through my own tongue, and had my mom not been there to turn me on my side, I would have choked on my own blood. I am thankful I survived. I'm thankful for my life. I have not experienced anything paranormal like I did that month, but ever since then, many bad traumatic things have happened in my life in addition to my alcoholism, and even after I got sober again. Sexual predators, jail, divorce, depression, etc. I, of course, knew that bad things happen to everyone. That's just a part of life. However, what I've experienced seems a bit excessive and severe. Don't get me wrong. I have many blessings in my life, too. Primarily two beautiful little boys, four and five years old, that I have full custody of, and my mom, who has been more of a blessing to me than I deserve, but I still feel like there is a dark cloud over me. Bad things and bad people are attracted to me, like I'm a magnet for them for some reason. 
This is why I'm at a point where I'm wondering why. I still think about what happened in October, November of 2008 almost every day. It doesn't make any sense, but I know that what I experienced was real and it did happen. I'm scared that maybe I've been cursed somehow by the devil since technically I was totally touched in more ways than one by something demonic or evil. I honestly don't think I was ever possessed, but I was definitely oppressed as I did feel like I wanted to die. But I honestly can't help wondering every single day what really happened that month. What was a serpent? Why did it do what it did to me? Was I really pregnant or implanted with something that just happened to move inside me? Even my questions are bizarre. I realize this. But if you had been in my shoes and experienced something like this firsthand, I think you'd be asking the same kind of questions. I just wish I could find or connect with someone who has experienced something like this. They might have more insight on what happened to me, or maybe someone else has had a similar experience, but they were actually able to see the entity or communicate it better than I was than I could. I would gladly welcome someone who is knowledgeable on demonology to possibly explain things better to me as well. I've searched the internet, of course, hoping to find something or someone who has a record of encountering a serpent slash humanoid creature that just happens to be sexually active with human women. As you can probably imagine, I came up with nothing that I consider to be close enough to what I experienced. I just want answers or clarifications at least. I mainly just wish people would believe me and not write it off as a brief psychotic break or schizophrenia or some other shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> that only insults me. I have... I still have hope, though, that there will be answers to my questions someday. Until then, I will most likely continue to search. I often wish I could just forget it ever happened. I really do. Hmm. That's from Kelly. So <laughs> Krista's like, Krista. That's overwhelming. Yeah, Krista looked overwhelmed there. Um, there are plenty of stories of people having sexual oh, yeah. with the, encounters with yes. demons. And yes. I hear stories where people feel like they're impregnated by said demon. Well, and I think that the fact that people immediately assumed it was mental illness, that's that's part of oppression and isolation. Well, yeah, but you I, know mean, what I mean, I totally get, I totally think that, I totally believe her. I really yeah. do, 100%. I can see why people didn't. It's frustrating when something like that happens to you that nobody is going to believe right. you. Right, but know? that's part of the that's part of the game of the yeah. demon. Yeah, totally. Is to make you seem crazy so totally. that nobody will believe you. Yep. And then you're vulnerable and you're oppressed and you're isolated. And yeah. Hmm. So thank you for the story, Kelly. Yeah. Uh, wow. I'm going to keep an eye out because I do stumble across a lot of articles about this kind of thing. So, well, and if we have another listener who's had a similar. Yeah. If you have had one of these experiences or know somebody who had, Kelly would like to hear. Yeah. From somebody that had the same. I mean, you can do it anonymously. Yeah. Send us an email. Yeah. We'd was, like we won't to, say who it is. We won't say right. who it is. But just to give she, her the comfort that she's not the only person who I mean, it, it this. totally sounds, what is it, a succubus? Incubus? Incubus. It totally a succubus sounds, is female. Incubus is male. It's a band and the demon. And a band it. as well. Yeah. <laughs> so that it sounds like an incubus. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a, a serpent that, is a classic sort of. Demonic. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So I totally 100% believe that she went through this. I really do. Yeah, I do too. And it's mind-bogglingly creepy. Mm-hmm. And to live with something like that has to be horrible. So I feel like I would just always be scared. Yeah. yeah. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I will keep an eye out for anything that I come across that deals with that. And if I do, I will email it to you. But thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. And congratulations on your sobriety. Yeah, that's amazing. That's, that's a feat in itself. I, it is. Like, I can't, I literally cannot imagine. No. Like, I, you know, and I'm not diminishing hers in any way, but I can't stop eating pizza, for God's <laughs> sakes. I can't imagine Food being, is an addiction. I can't imagine being addicted to right. drugs or alcohol. Yeah. I really can't. Food is an addiction, too. It is, so. but not like that. Right. You know, it's not so as destructive I, as... I have a hard time quitting the stupidest things. So, yeah. kudos to you for I agree. your years of sobriety. Yeah. So thank you for sending that to us. Holy cow. 
kind of creeped out. Mm. Um, a pickle joke doesn't feel right. No, pick it, not <laughs> after that story, pickle a pickle joke. joke does not feel right. No. So we're going to get to the deets. Yeah. We are not on MySpace, so forget that. <laughs> we, we should just make a MySpace just for the we hell should. of it. Is it still a thing? Though? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's still up. No way. Justin Timberlake bought it, I think. Really? I'm almost positive he did. Which I, is ironic because wasn't he in the Facebook movie? Yeah. That's I don't interesting. know. Hmm. But yeah, we're not. Hmm. We might go on MySpace just for fun. I didn't think can, it was still around. You can email us at thestrangesessions at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Strange Session without the final S. Krista does a great job on Instagram. I like that you get people like writing on Instagram, yeah. like responding to Commenting. our stuff. We are the Strange Sessions on Instagram. You can send us postcards and mail to the Strange Sessions, P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. And I had a lot of people message me on Facebook and say that they say the zero in phone numbers as O's. Yes, so I not, saw that. I did see that. It's not, not just us. It's not just Wisconsinites. Us. So now I don't feel weird. You can send us... Our hotline is lonely. Seriously. Very, very lonely. Uh, Dash might send us a couple because he's had stuff happening at home, which is awesome. Uh, so please send us some phone messages to 920-443-9602. It'll say, this Google Voice user is not available, so leave a message and leave a message under two minutes long. But I thought it was three minutes. It might be three minutes. It's been so long, I don't remember. Somebody yeah. please leave us a voicemail message. <laughs> let us know how long I'm you begging know. you. Yeah, let us know how long you got. So I think that's I it. I think that's it Anything too. else? Sorry, this was a little light on actual mysteries i guess but we had the the cursed horror movies yeah. this time of year i love talking about horror movies there's scary like movies. that's one nice thing about october is that there are literally horror movies on every hour of every day yeah. or ghost hunters or yep. expedition unknown there's just so much good stuff on right now yeah and i know you're a big halloween person so yes i am you know i wanted to get this out before halloween Sweet. i'm not a halloween person i'm not i i was when i was a kid i just think it's become it's it's not what it used to be. Like Christmas. Like, I don't think Christmas is what it used to be. I've already seen Christmas commercials. Well, I know. But Halloween, I feel, is just now about costume. You know, like... See, to me, it's a total... It's my own thing. Like, my house is totally decked out. Only on the inside, though. Yeah. And it's all about, like, fall stuff and watching scary yeah. movies. I, I think I said this last year. I don't want any trick-or-treaters this year. We're not doing yeah. that. It's not <laughs> about that. No. To me, it's just the feel and the nostalgia, and I love. I feel like it's all about going out to parties and cost, you know, like yeah. finding like the. And I don't like really the costumes are horrible, yeah. like a, a, you know, slutty ISIS terrorist right. stuff like that. It's Ooh, like seriously, God, that's a thing. Yeah, I you used know. to go to a lot of costume parties, but with my friends. But it's yeah. been a, it's been a while. It's been a couple. But I know years. you're a Halloween junkie. I am. So I like Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's my love holiday. It. I love it? November. November's my favorite month. I love November. Mm. Where it's starting to get cold, although yeah. it's starting to get it's plenty cold now. Here. It was 44 on my drive here. So we wish all of you a happy Halloween, whatever you do. I, yeah, we won't be, you won't hear another episode until no, after Halloween. This is, this is the Halloween episode. Happy Halloween. <laughs> happy Halloween. Um, and I think that's probably it. I think so. Krista's got to get to work. I do. So I feel like there was something else I was going to say, and I'm totally blanking on it. Yeah. I'll remember I don't it as soon as we pull out. But. That's it for this episode. Another one in the books. We have two more left in this season. So from Krista and I in the cold and spooky old school media studio, until next time, stay Stay strange. strange.
This has been an Old School Media production, executive produced by Kirk Knetchny. For more information and content, please visit strangesessions.com.